Good evening, everyone. Welcome back. Once again, we're looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, just like every week, we've got an exciting topic lined up for you. It really is a lucky dip coming out on these Sunday nights because we all know what we're going to be talking about, but you don't. (laughs) Um, So it's always encouraging to see that people continue to come out and continue to engage. So it's it's cool. This evening we are looking at a particularly fascinating topic that's very close to my heart. Um, We're going to be looking at um, the role or the spiritual gift of the teacher. Um, So we're going to be looking at it from the perspective not of the fivefold gift of the teacher that we looked at a couple of years ago, but we're going to be looking at um, the spiritual gift that's talked about um, in Romans, that as the body of Christ, we're all to grow in. Um, In Hebrews 5, it says, by this time, you should all be teachers. By this time, we should all be teachers, but you need for someone to teach you again the elementary principles, the foundational teachings. You've come to need milk and not solid food, but as a body here, that is not for us. We're those who eat solid food. We're those who are maturing and growing um, into uh, this position that the writer of Hebrews talks about where we can teach one another not through earthly learning and earthly instruction, um, but through the supernatural power of the gospel, which we're going to be sharing about this evening. Is that cool? All right, so if you've got your Bibles, you can open up to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, And I might just read this verse in um, Romans as well. All right, so in Romans 12, it says this. Oh, just by the way, this is Noel, I'm Sam, and Greg. (laughs) We always forget to uh, introduce ourselves, but it's just the three musketeers tonight. (laughs) Mel has left us for greener pastures, (laughs) aka holiday. (laughs) All right. So Romans 12, chapter 6, you don't need to turn there, but I'll just read it to you. It says this, it says, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with, with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. So he talks and he says that we've each been given gifts and he lists a few of them, teaching, giving, serving, exhorting. Um, and it's this one teaching that we're going to be looking at tonight. So you can uh, now open up First Corinthians chapter 2. I thought we could actually read this whole passage um, because the whole passage is loaded with spiritual dynamite for us to um, to hear, receive, and to enter into us. Um, so let's start at um, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. The title is Paul's Reliance Upon the Spirit. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. 
and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Yet we do speak a wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among man knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things which have been freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Massive chapter, eh? A powerful chapter. I love all that mmm, mmm, mmms tonight. <laughs> should, we just, should we just go back and read that? <laughs> Good level of engagement, but it is, it's a powerful. It's a powerful passage, eh? It really, it was sounding like we had just finished a meal, you know? <laughs> I was like, mm, yes. Um, but it is, this is a meal. Um, and, and tonight we're looking um, at um, verse 10 and all the way through the verse 16 in particular. Um, but there's so much for us to grasp. And Paul here um, talks about a certain kind of teaching, but it might be a kind of teaching that you're never, you've never heard about before. He says this in verse 12, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Now listen to this. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Now we, have not uh, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know what? The things that we need to do for God? The works that God wants us to do? The effort, the striving, the strain, the struggle, the, the good deeds, the healing, the sick? No, he says he's given us his spirit so that we may know the things which have been freely given to us by God. He's given us the Holy Spirit for that purpose. And it's from then that he launches into this kind of teaching that we're going to be looking at tonight. A kind of teaching that doesn't come just through academic learning 
and verbal proclamation, but a kind of teaching that comes having had the Spirit of God bring to light the things that have been freely given to us by God, the mysteries that God has um, predestined for us to know before creation even came into existence that his Holy Spirit has brought to light. So having come to know those mysteries, having entered into a dimension of the Spirit, having Christ himself revealed within us, we then are able to teach one another with this new kind of teaching, a kind of teaching that comes not by um, fancy words or being able to put together an elaborate sermon, but by bringing to light the mysteries of God, which when, are, when they're revealed in someone, changes a person from the inner man, from the inner core, and brings about real and genuine spiritual life and spiritual transformation. It's a kind of teaching that the world has never known before, hey? So before I get too carried away with the introduction, um, <laughs> I better introduce our topic. <laughs> Spiritual teaching. So we've got question number one here. What is the spiritual gift of teaching? And how does this differ from being a talented communicator? So, yeah, big question. Guys, when, when we have questions like this, you're welcome to add in your little oohs and ahs. <laughs> It'll get Noel going. <laughs> it doesn't take this man much to get rocked up. <laughs> So, Noel, from your perspective, what is the spiritual gift of teaching? And is it just about articulating something in wise and persuasive words, or is there more to it than just that? Um, maybe I should start with, um, Greg used to say that there's hearing, and there's hearing, right? And there's seeing, and there's seeing, and there's presence, and that thing... Um, you could expand that. So there's giving and there's giving. There's serving and there's serving. And there's teaching and there's teaching. There's the natural, you know, the mundane, the ordinary. And there's also the holy. There's also, you know, the, the, the things that we do all the time. And there's the thing that God does and only God can do. You know, the, and the same goes with, with teaching. So the, when you talk of natural teaching... Let's not talk about, let's talk about natural teaching first. The world knows a lot about natural teaching. There's so much there, you know, um, and, and it, it's quite different in the natural teaching. The onus or the focus is on the presenter, on the, the teacher. And so the teacher has to, you know, uh, study to become a subject matter expert. Um, the more persuasive he is, the more influential he is, the more he's able to break things down and build things up. And that can contribute to the success in the physical or the natural um, realm. But when you talk about spiritual teaching from the word spirit, it can only be done by the spirit. You know, the, it's God himself that teaches. It's God himself that speaks. So if you look at the spiritual dimension, um, there's only one thing that is done. It's God speaking. And when he speaks, he imparts and when he imparts, the word is able to be manifested. And that's the only thing that happens. But when God speaks in our physical, visible realm, it expresses itself in various ways. Teaching, prophecy, serving, giving. And, and, and that's how it, it usually is. And so we cannot, spiritual 
teaching will accomplish spiritual outcomes. The natural teaching can never accomplish spiritual outcomes. It's only the Lord. And so when there's, but, you know, the Lord being a spirit finds a body, and, you know, in the physical. So they can exist in the same realm, visible. They may look the same, but they are totally different. And so you could have, so when you, when you talk about it, there is impartation in the spirit, there's communication in the flesh. But communication can exist without the spirit. And so that means, you know, so it's, it's the same thing everywhere you see. That's great. And I love talking about spiritual outcomes, eh? You know, because if we think about it, it, to me, it all depends on, like, what is, like, what is the purpose of all of this, you know? Like, if it's to, if it's to learn facts and figures and information, then a natural teacher is prime. Is, is prime property, right? They're the, they're the ones who can totally nail that. But if the ultimate goal is our transformation, how can someone's words coming out of someone's mouth, like it's not even, like, like the closest I could get to is like spitting on Anne. That's like the most substance I can get out of my <laughs> mouth to get into her, right? <laughs> you know, like, how, how, could, how can my words, <laughs> I'm not gonna do it, I'm just, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> But if you do sit in the front row, sometimes you, <laughs> you do get sprayed. But if you think about it, how, could la- how can language accomplish something that's heavenly, eternal, and divine and change a man's heart? No matter how slick and elo- eloquent, it is totally impossible for man's words to do that work. And yet God has said that it's his very word that spoke all of creation into, into being, like we heard about this morning, that it says that, that it was the word of God that created the worlds. And if the word of God is that powerful, it's that same substance that we need in, in teaching that, that we need to receive to be able to become transformed. Hey? So it's a completely different way of operating, eh? So. I was just thinking, Jesus spat. <laughs> it's, not, it's biblical. <laughs> Be healed. Um, the question that you asked about the uh, teaching, the, the, and you, so Romans talks about a grace. So there's a grace which is a divine empowerment on someone to be able to impart. And so that's the difference. And that's why the beauty of all the gifts there is divine impartation on certain people for certain function. There's some on others. And when you put it all together, you get the body. That doesn't mean the people that don't have a, a gracing on them to teach can't teach because we're all called to disciple, aren't we? And that's the Hebrews. By now you should all be teachers. So it's like everything. God's got to start somewhere. We're not all prophets, but we are fivefold prophets, but we can all prophesy. And so it's, there's a gracing given to people, a divine impartation to be able to communicate this divine language, a spiritual language. And that's why it's not in English. It's not Hebrew. It's not Greek. It's not anything earthly. It has its language all of its own. It's called the spirit. So this is the challenge. And coming back to why Noel talked about hearing is you need to be able to hear the word that comes through in our context, an English language. Okay, so it's not what 
the English that we're saying that's the word, it's what sits behind the English. And you go, care? And you go, that's why you've been given the Holy Spirit, because without the Spirit, you can't understand it. With the Spirit, who can know the thoughts of God? The one who knows the thoughts of God is the Spirit of God. Without the Spirit of God revealing the thoughts of God, it's your thoughts. And your and my thoughts do us no good. Um, I just want to address this, and, and, and it's interesting because right at the start of 1 Corinthians 2, and this is the killer, is that Paul is identifying an operating system. There are three operating systems. Only one is from the kingdom of light. Two are from the kingdom of darkness. So he tells you here, he says, I only preach Christ, Christ crucified. There's a massive reason why. And that is an operating system. That is not just, I prayed a prayer and asked Jesus into my heart. That is the operating system in my heart gets killed by Christ, Christ crucified. So now I'm no longer a Greek searching for wisdom and I'm no longer a Jew looking for signs. I am of Christ, Christ crucified because Paul was a Jew looking for signs and it got him nowhere. He then became a follower of Christ, Christ crucified. So he tells you, I'm no longer a man of persuasive language because I realized that operating system was foolishness to the world, to the kingdom of light, sorry. So we have to, before you can even understand any of this, your operating system can't be one that seeks for wisdom and you can't be one that looks for signs. Why? Because it tells you, doesn't it, the answer to those things. So it says this. So Christ, Christ crucified. Listen, this is 1 Corinthians 1.22. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ, Christ crucified. To Jews, a stumbling block. And to Gentiles, foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, because there's only one people, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ, Christ crucified. He's the power. He's the wisdom. So if your operating system is of a Jew or a Greek, you'll never come into the life and you'll never understand the things in the Spirit because the way you're trying to hear and appropriate them is of the kingdom of darkness. You, not the Spirit. See, you are trying to learn through the agency of you. Which is then dangerous if you're making disciples of others, you know? <laughs> Because what are you discipling them to and into, you know? Um, Yourself. Well, that's, that's right, you know? And, and so I think that, that's why this is, is so key here, that he describes first the operating system and then this new kind of teaching, you know? Um, because um, um, what, does he, what does he say um, about the Pharisees? That they would make um, their disciples as much of a son of Satan as themselves, you know, um, and so we we make disciples of one another all the time. Greg has constantly been trying to disciple me to country music in Liverpool the whole time we're in Cambodia, you know. <laughs> um, but it's just it's just it's just part of life. But when it comes to the gospel and comes to the scriptures, we need to make sure that we are in the way of God, the right operating system, so that those we are ministering to and teaching can then enter into the same substance of life as opposed to just receiving the same knowledge or 
trying to minister from the same outward power for signs and wonders and, and miracles as we are, you know. Cool. All right. Shall we get into this passage? We've, Greg kind of got on ahead of us. Um, Sorry. All right. So I put here, Paul talks about knowing and articulating God's wisdom and that we are to combine spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. What is the difference between speaking from God's wisdom and man's wisdom? So I'll just read this passage out again um, for context. So it says this, For to us God has revealed them, he's talking about the hidden mysteries, God has revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? And even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, things which we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. So i just repeat that question what is the difference between speaking from God's wisdom or teaching from God's wisdom and man's wisdom? Greg, do you want to kick us off with that? Yep. Well, Jesus is the wisdom of God. <clears throat> so you are speaking the word when you speak from the wisdom of God because Jesus is the wisdom. So that depends on your relationship and your revelation. If you don't have revelation of Jesus, which you can't bring yourself, you can't speak the wisdom of God. Because man doesn't know the wisdom of God unless he has revelation from the one who is wisdom. Man's wisdom is just man's ideas and thoughts, which are empty and futile. So this is where we either love it or you hate it. This is this. Is this. We can't know God, full stop, unless God reveals himself in us. Man hates that. So we don't have any knowledge, any wisdom, that hasn't been revealed through the Spirit. We think we do, though, because we've acquired knowledge through the study of our mind. So we go and we read the words and we go study the concordances and we look at the Hebrew, we look at all the original texts, and we gain understanding of the mind. It's called intellectualism. But see, Paul says here in verse 4, my message and my preaching were not in the words that I say. It was in my life to demonstrate something. The wisdom of man, you can't demonstrate God. You need the Christ, the wisdom of Christ to be the demonstration of Christ. Hence, he puts it down as a safeguard to show you our inability to enter into the wisdom of God without God. So they are night and day, evil and light. It's, they're not even on the same. One's of one planet, the other's of another planet. And that's why the one of the planet had to come to our planet to bring his kingdom so we could understand the ways of the Father, learn from him. So while we're on this earth, we actually live as kingdom people because his kingdom is on earth. Without that, we're lost. And without that, we can't demonstrate anything. But we try. And we have our version. We have man's version of love. We have man's version of good works. We have man's version of all these things that we do 
and we build man's version of the church. God says it's futile. So we live our lives, but they're futile. They're not living the life we were called for because we don't have the wisdom of heaven, which is Christ in us. And I think it's, it's powerful. It says, who, for who among man knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of a man that's within him? You know? So saying, who can know someone else's thoughts? Who can enter into someone else's mind and know what another person's thinking? Right? Would you say that's totally and completely impossible to read someone's mind unless you're some sort of mystical psychic or something like that? Unless you're Christ, yeah? <laughs> It says, in the same way, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. But then he says, oh, but he has revealed those thoughts to us. And I think that to me that's the key is saying, in the same way that you can't enter into someone else's mind and understand their thoughts unless they're prepared to disclose and reveal those to you, you can't know the thoughts, the heartbeat, the intention of God unless the Holy Spirit comes and reveals to you what's in the heart of God. So, so that locks you out of being able to read and study the Scripture and enter into life. Like he says to the Pharisees, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them is eternal life, but you refuse to come to me that you might have life. He's not saying don't read the Bible. He's just saying that there's something greater than just the words of the page, that, that this thing is relational first before it's ever academic. And so that's the thing is it's not one or the other. It's just... Get your head the right way around, you know. We need to be reorientated to understand God's, like we heard before, God's operating system so that when you have the thoughts of God being revealed to you by the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, then you start to read the Scriptures and you read about a reality that lives in you and all of a sudden it comes to life and it's exciting because it's, it's real for the very first time because you've had it revealed in you and through you to your heart, to your mind and you're reading about who you are in Him, who He's called you to be, the life that you're maturing into. You're not just reading about some person who walked the earth 2,000 years ago and um, therefore that we need to make our church services relevant because the gospel was so irrelevant to us. And you see what I'm saying? It's a completely different thing. When God himself is revealing by the Holy Spirit the mysteries that have been hidden before the foundations of the world, we're in a completely different ballpark, eh? Are you trying to come in with a word? You look like you <laughs> Look at that. Demonstration of patience, eh, right there. Listening. Wisdom, eh, wisdom. Um, question. You reckon you could do without this? Really? How much of your reference point for God is a book? Abraham never had a book. See, if you can't have a relationship without a book, you're in trouble. Because this becomes your reference point for the person, not the person. Interesting, isn't it? The Spirit gives. So can the Spirit give me the Word of God without the book? See, that's the way in. Oh, sure. You want to know what, what he's written down, but the first point is not a book. And if, we, if this is the reference for God, we're in trouble. Unless the Holy Spirit has revealed 
this, but more often than not, we've made this the reference. And yet, the guys that started out never had the reference. They had the reference. And God would speak and they would hear and receive and faith was birthed, not because they read a book, because they knew a person. And what subtly happened over the time is this has become God, not God. We even call this the Word. This is not the Word. This is the Scriptures. This tells me the Word is Jesus. So we say, I love the Word, and we mean the book. Tell me about the person. It's a person that sets you free, not a book. The book fills you with head knowledge and pride and puffs you up and thinks you've got something you haven't got because you can't live it out. But I love this. And I will never throw this away, but I don't need this to have a relationship because I know the person. I don't need the principles, I need the person. And the person teaches me all things, not the principle. That's why I don't declare the principle. Hold on, Warren. I get revelation. If the Spirit is illuminating, it's the person. Hence, I need the Spirit. So you search the Scriptures... But you got no idea. They should have known he was coming, shouldn't they? They should have known he was going to come the way he came. It was written down. See, they were only in one half of the book, not the whole. He's coming as a king when he returns. Sorry, he was a king, but he's going to come back and take over. But how did he come? As a servant. That's in there. Why didn't they know that? Because this had become the reference. So we have to be able to have a relationship without a book, otherwise you're in trouble. I don't need a book to get revelation. Why? Because the Spirit lives in me. He's my teacher. He teaches me from within. I can know all things without a book. That's the wisdom of God. And he says to Nicodemus, in, in, his, in his interaction with Nicodemus, not you're a teacher in Israel and you don't know the Scriptures. You're a teacher in Israel and you don't know the born again life that's to live inside of you, you know? And when you do know that born again life, you won't be able to help yourself getting in the scriptures because they scream of what it is that you've tasted of and the heavenly gift that's in Christ. Hey. So if anyone's if if anyone, you know, like says that oh they don't like the scriptures, but they you know, that that's instantly a sign of, you know either immaturity or something else, you know? And so don't hear what Greg's not saying. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll get some emails, eh? <laughs> Later in the- hey, hear what I said. Yeah. I spoke wisdom, what I said. Mm. Was not, I was not saying, so I just spoke. You've got to hear. That's the whole thing. So if you don't hear it through the lens of wisdom, you'll hear, I hate the word. I hate the scriptures. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I love this. Mm. <laughs> I love what we're looking at. <laughs> All right. I've got arrows and lines pointing to different parts of this thing. And, and if you want to know a bit more after tonight, I've written a lot about this in Bev, Bird's Eye View. It's all there. Do you have any? I've got something else to say. You've got to get in, mate. You've got to get by. Um, Jesus said you can't go to the Father except through him. And he also said that nobody comes to him except the Father allows it to come. 
And so if and that is all in the spirit. So it's the it's the God who brings us to God and God that opens our eyes to him and God that makes us love him. In the natural, you know, man can do all sorts of natural things to draw people to the church. But and then there's a saying that you know what you are drawn with, you are drawn to. So you could so you have to ask yourself what brought me to God. Is it the coffee? Is it, you know, is it the relationship? Is it the charismatic speaker? Because um, if human wisdom or human effort brings you to sort the kingdom, to sort of the kingdom, that same thing can take you out of it. And so if, 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 if you come because of the coffee, sooner or later, if the coffee disappears, you will be gone as well. And so it's, it's, it has to be God. It has to be God alone. Yeah. Sorry, Ethan, that's no like, no, no, no blame on our coffees from last week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Anne, absolutely. Um, and I think that, like, and I feel like we're, we're privileged to be part of a community that gathers not for coffee or services or good music, but around him, hey, you know? Um, and I think if you've stuck around here for any length of time, it will be, <laughs> or in these nights, most of the time, not, not all the time, most of the time it is because you've tasted of something that's worthwhile, right? Because, um, you know, coffee only satisfies for so long. Um, but we're eating of something that is heavenly mana, hey? You know? Cool. Um, you know, I think uh, just as I was meditating on this throughout the week, um, you know, and, and talking about what, what does it mean to be a teacher and what, um, you know, this, this kind of teaching that we're talking about is very different, like we're saying, to earthly learning and earthly wisdom. Um, and we're talking about having to have uh, actual revealed knowledge of God that's changed you before then being able to teach and proclaim to one another, you know. And I was thinking about it in a, in a court of law, and you have a, a witness who comes up and sits on the platform and testifies of something that they've seen or haven't seen. And in this context, a witness is someone who has seen something that they can then testify and proclaim of. And a false witness is not someone who doesn't have the facts factually correct, right? A false witness is someone who hasn't seen and is speaking out of turn, proclaiming that they've seen something when they haven't, right? It's a dangerous position to be in when you're a witness and you're speaking of something that may be true. You might have heard it secondhand and it might be accurate, but to proclaim that you're a witness when you haven't seen it, that's the danger, hey? And so that's what we see in the, in the scriptures is it, it talks about a warning for the times that we live in that there'll be people who are false prophets, who are false teachers, and that a lot of these people would be good, well-meaning, intentioned people who um, may have even started right, but it says that they um, are deceivers and being deceived. And so I think in my mind, this is why this is so important, that he, that he says here that we must know through the Spirit, we must have had Christ revealed to us in order then to begin to teach and to speak, being able to give true testimony, true witness to Christ himself, and that this thing wouldn't just be, I've heard this, I've read this, this is my interpretation, this is my opinion. We don't need that, eh? 
We need the living, revealed Word of God that lives inside of us um, to then be able to, to speak and proclaim um, the words of God. Hey, um, So then I thought... Um, it would be cool to unpack verse 13. Um, it says this, it says, Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Why is it so important to have spiritual thoughts and then speak spiritual words? Any thoughts, guys? Because it's his mind. It's his way. So he is the one that's come up with it all, hasn't he? He tells us your ways and your thoughts are not mine. So we start completely opposite to him. We don't start the same, we start opposite. And then there's a whole renewing process that needs to take place from his mindset to ours. Okay, so we like to claim we have the mind of Christ because it says that in the back of that passage, doesn't it? Verse 16. Okay, I say to people this, if you have the mind of Christ, then tell me the things that are hidden in the unseen. Because that's the context to Paul's saying. He's saying we. This is my personal opinion. I do believe it's biblical that Paul is identifying a group of people that he knows that can see in the unseen. Because the context is no eye has seen, no ear has heard, has not yet entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. It's revealed through the Spirit. So then he says they've been given to us, and we teach them for you so you can have them. So you can't just go claiming you've got the mind of Christ, because the mind of Christ is renewed. If you got the mind of Christ, you'd be living like Christ. So you have the potential to have the full mind of Christ. You only have the mind of Christ the renewed mind you carry, okay? Because in the very next chapter, he says, I can't speak to you as spiritual men. So if every single person has the mind of Christ because Paul says we have the mind of Christ, then he wouldn't be speaking 3-1, I can't speak to you as spiritual men because you're still infants because you don't have the mind of Christ. So we can't just adopt that and go, oh, I've got the mind of Christ. If you do, then you come up here and you start telling me the things that eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, has not entered yet the heart of everyone else in the room because you love God, you've sought God, and he's renewed your mind. The Bible says in Psalm 139 that he has more thoughts for us than the grains of sand. So as he renews your mind to his mind, what leaves you? All the stinking thinking around I'm not good enough, I suffer with this, I struggle with that, I'm a loser, I'm this, I'm this, I'm anxious. All those thoughts get eradicated out of your mind because he renews your mind to his mind and he never thought one of those thoughts about himself or anybody else. So if we actually start getting our minds renewed to his mind, what would your life look like? Because the demonstration of that thought, what you think, you speak, what you speak, you act, and the act of the demonstration of the wisdom in you comes out, he's called Jesus. And it's funny, you know, like we would never treat any other thing this way except the, except the scriptures. You know, I, I think about this. Like imagine if I said, I've got the muscles of Greg. <laughs> you look at me, I'm like, um... <laughs> 
I hit the gym once with Ethan when I was forced there. <laughs> but is that is that not like a bizarre statement? I've I've got the muscles of Greg. Well, would uh, no? <laughs> it just it just simply is not true, right? Then why would we say we've got the mind of Christ? when we're full of doubt, insecurity, worry, bitterness, frustration, do we have the mind of Christ? Did the, was that in Christ's mind? And I think when, when we claim something that isn't true, all we're doing is watering down the Scriptures. You know, we're watering down what's available in Him. Because would it not be better to say, I don't have the mind of Christ, but then actually in seeing and Entering into what's in this passage, it's he's like he's literally saying you can know the mind of Christ. It just comes through revelation, not from your own natural thinking, you know. So would it not be better to say, oh, actually, yeah, I'm a bit scrawny. Um, I better hit the gym, you know. Like that's that's a logical, reasonable way in, right? So I think to, to read scriptures like this and to hear that we don't have the mind of Christ is actually freeing because finally we've got a real diagnosis of what's actually at stake. We need to have our minds renewed to the truth about who God says we are and not just write off what's available for us by needing to be comfortable in what, in what we currently think and where we're currently at. Eh? So. right look at verse 12 now we have received not the spirit of the world okay so when we receive christ we receive the spirit of christ we had the spirit in us and we receive a brand new spirit so we can know the things of the spirit but the spirit who is from sorry but the spirit who is from god so that we may know the things freely given to us by god which things we also speak not in words taught, sorry, not in words taught by human wisdom. And when you go back up to verse 5, this all makes sense because he says, So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. So faith is not something you muster up. Okay, can we put that one to bed? This is what we've taught. Faith is something I need, and then I hope God's going to come through. Faith is the absolute conviction of what you know in the Spirit, you've seen it, you know it, and you live from it. Abraham was a man of faith, not, I hope God, he's going, I know God. Okay. So what Paul's saying is, I don't want your knowledge of me to rest on man's wisdom, but on my power to put it in you. That's how it comes. My power infused in you, you get faith. My wisdom. You trying to come up with my wisdom through you gets you nowhere. I don't want your faith, your absolute knowledge of God, your conviction of what you're assured of and what you're fully convinced of to rest on man's persuasive words, but on my power. See, it takes man completely out of the equation. And man hates that. Because then we go, but hold on a minute, I got a grace to teach. Yes, you have, but you're not number one. 
You're number two. And so you need to be in this before you can utter anything from heaven because you're being and receiving the word this way because you know it's not about what you say in the sense of it's not how clever you can be with your nice three-point PowerPoint and your nice message that gets everyone emotional and all that. That's, that's not it. One word, bang. It can look so unattractive to the flesh. Hear and obey. See you later. Have a good time. But everyone demands that someone speaks for 40 minutes, don't they? Because that's the religious system. We've come here to hear something. You just heard the word. Go. Let it hit your heart. Done. We're done. Now, it could be for an hour and a half. It could be for three hours. But the thing is, is it the word? Is it built? Has it come from the power of God revealing it? Not on me hearing someone on a, on a YouTube clip. I'm not saying the person's not speaking revelation. But unless the power of God and the Holy Spirit grabs that and infuses it into your spirit, you're just trying to understand it here. And that's why it's so hard to grasp spiritual things. You're like, just what I said about the Bible. If you try to understand that here, you're walking out the door going, Simnor doesn't even believe what's in here. That's not what Simnor said at all. But if you hear it through that lens... You then regurgitate, and guess what you do? You then go tell other people Simnor doesn't believe in the Word. And all of a sudden, Simnor now has an image of him painted that's not true, and it's come from you not being able to hear. You are now a false teacher. Oh, did you intend to do that? No. Did you do it? Yes. And now you've spewed over 10 other people that think, I don't actually love this. See how easily it happens? And this is why he said, let me give you a framework to your teaching. It's called revelation. Don't speak outside of your jurisdiction of revelation because that's the only Christ you know. But I want to smash that so it's all, hence he says, I've given you all so you can freely all know. But you've got to seek, ask, knock. You've got to get to know the teacher. Not the man, the teacher. You've got to know the leader. You've got to know the father. Don't have a father, a leader, or a teacher above me. Isn't that the pattern? Who taught the son? Who, did, who taught the disciples? And who's teaching us? Spirit, spirit, spirit. Isn't it? At every level, the son is teaching who's teaching? The fathers. He's not coming up with his own. The Spirit is teaching the fathers. He's not coming up with his own. So what are we doing? If the pattern is the Son teaches the Father, the Spirit teaches the Father, am I teaching the Father? Or am I teaching my ideas? Because I've tried to come into faith through my wisdom. And this is what Paul is... This is so, this is so serious. And yet you're breeze past it if you don't know what's sitting here and the key for me in all this is all that God has prepared we're talking all who is to know the mysteries of the kingdom God's people so contained in here is all you need to know for life and godliness but it only comes to those who love him because those who love him spend the time. And the spirit who's just waiting and hovering to reveal 
is come on, turn the football off, put the study down, put your work over there, put your whatever over there, and how about you spend some time with me and I will open up to you a realm that's hidden for you and you'll dive in together and you'll have something in you called the Word of God which you'll receive because I want to give it, not because you studied it. And now you'll be able to live. That's what I've been on for ever. It's amazing. Puts all the teachers out of a job, right? <laughs> you know, this whole like Holy Spirit teaching thing. You know, <laughs> like, so it says, call no one on earth your teacher because you have one teacher. You know, and this is these are the prophecies that came through in the Old Testament that that you wouldn't need anyone to teach you. You know, <laughs> like why? Because the whole, this is the promise of God that his Holy Spirit himself would be the one who's teaching us, ministering to us, bringing to light revelation and truth like we heard this morning. We don't need a priest up on a platform to lead us into the Holy of Holies with some blood from a cow that's been sacrificed. You know, we, we have God himself who's come to be our teacher. And so it's, it's from that place that the spiritual gift of the teacher actually gets activated in a real and genuine way because all of a sudden, then the teacher is not the man of God who's responsible for leading all of his congregation into his way of thinking. He's responsible for facilitating an environment and through proclaiming the mysteries of God, people can encounter God himself and the Holy Spirit can bring to light the hidden things of God, eh? It's, it's, in my mind, it's, a, it's such a freeing thing that you aren't responsible for giving someone else revelation, yeah. but you can proclaim the revelation that he's give, given you in the hope that the Holy Spirit does a powerful work within someone and, and brings that to light in them as well. Can I just add this? that You can have a gift of teacher and not know how to actually bring the reality that God has. And someone that doesn't can because it then comes back to the operating system. So just because someone has a gift of teaching doesn't mean they can actually do what we're saying because if they don't understand that the operating system is man, then they will actually, with their teaching gift, get it all distorted and bring a very well-articulated flesh message. Because the gift needs to be given back to the giver for it to be defined how it gets used. That's how you have the false. Okay, So just because you have a gift doesn't mean you can do what we're saying. It's an inner realm where you have to realise how this all works. Then now you're powerful because now the gift which is given is in speaking from this revelation place. And this is what this guy has on his life. He has the ability because he understands the operating system. He can see it. I hear it coming out of him. So then when he speaks, the sharpness of what he says is coming from a living operating system. He's not a Jew. He's not a Greek. He's Christ, Christ crucified. But that doesn't mean you've got to come into that. See, that's the operating system. It needs to get ripped out through the sword going in. And we could say that about any gift, right? It's any gift. You know, like that's, that's his process. And I feel like that's what we've been looking at in this whole series, right? Is redefining what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are from God's perspective and how we move and operate. Because there's gifts in and on all of us, hey? 
but there's something that there's a place that we all need to find in Him, which is this operating by the Holy Spirit that Greg's describing. So, cool. Do we have any questions at this point? Any questions? Any thoughts or comments? Yeah, you've got to know him to be able to teach about him, I'd, I'd say. What causes the growth? Um, well, love is Jesus, so yeah. But, okay, so what, what created creation into being? The Word, okay? So it's not on my ability, it's not on, it's not on my teaching, it's on what comes out of me. Okay? That's why it's simple. That's why Paul said, I'm not a man who, who, who makes this look fancy. Don't get confused. He says, I may not be a man of persuasive words. I'm a man of knowledge. And when I speak the word, I know what I'm saying. So it's the word. Okay? So it's not about how well you say it. It's is it the word. If any of us are going to get transformed, any speaker has to bring the word which means they have to have been with the Word and given the Word. So when I speak, power comes out, the Word of God, Jesus. It's Jesus coming out of the Spirit of me or whoever. Okay. So now I've done my part. Okay? I have fulfilled my part. The Word came out. Now your part is what? You've got to be able to hear that as the Word, accept it, receive it, accept it, Believe it, and what does it do? Performs its work where? In you, 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 14. Then you can be an imitator of God. So the responsibility of the one speaking is to know they are speaking a revealed word. Not studying this, I've spent the time, maybe what I mean is when I say, do you know what I mean when I say study this? So not intellectualizing this. I spend the time, I marinate myself in the words that are spirit and life. I ask the Spirit of God who's with me in me to reveal this because that's his mission. Okay, John 14, 26, that he's going to lead me into all truth. He then, because of my relationship and my abiding, gives me the word of the Father. That then changes me, starts to change me straight away. That's why it's very hard to... See, it's not in human language. You're trying to bring something of another realm out of your spirit, and it's like, okay? So help me, give me now the words to articulate this thing that's not even earthly, okay? So it's like you're literally Christ. You're not God, but you're Christ-like, so you're bringing this, but it's the word. You all need the word. I need the word. You don't need words. You don't need my thoughts. You need the Father the Jesus, the Christ, the Word. So it's like an impartation. Oosh. Now I go rest. Matthew tells me to go have a sleep. I've done my part. Your part is to hear, receive, believe. So if you can't hear, receive, believe, then you that Word does this. It misses you. Okay? It's like food left on a table that you didn't eat. It's still there waiting to be eaten because you're like, what was that all about? I haven't got a clue. 
See, you weren't attuned to hear the word, which is heavenly. It's hidden. It's you're not gonna. You've got to have your spirit tuned in. It's not something the natural. It doesn't go here. It goes here. See. So how much word goes out that's just sitting there waiting to be? Well, all that God has prepared in the hidden realm. So it's the word that we need. Not man's words, not man's wisdom. The word, and that can be one word. It can be 10,000 words. And so when we gather, and I think to me this is the big thing that Greg was saying, is that there's a responsibility on the speaker, but there's also a responsibility on, on the hearer, right? And is that... The way that we come when we come together together on a you know on, on a Sunday or whenever we gather, I you know before coming here tonight, I I read through this I read through the scripture that we were going to be looking at. I came pre- came prepared, you know, um, but do we come prepared when we come prepared to to hear and to receive the word of God in the same way that we come to serve coffee or in the you see what I'm saying like. There's a responsibility on on everyone, you know, and I think it, this is why it's such a different model to one person who's responsible for standing on a platform delivering the word of God that tickles the ears of the people who go home almost like watching a movie, right? It's almost like oh, I can relax, I can watch and do nothing. But this is actually a completely different thing that we're a part of. That there's a responsibility on the body of Christ. That when we meet, it's like we looked at last week. It says that everyone has, or that that we're to come with a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song. Where it's not saying that we have to be speaking. It's saying that we come intentional and engaged, and to and to receive and and hear and, um, you know, learn from one another. So it's it is. It's a completely different way of. Of, of rolling home. It's all connected to the final outcome. If you don't know why you need the word, then you don't have any value on the word. Does that make sense? So it says, all that God has prepared. What's the bride doing? For what? Right. Is that your living reality? Because if that is, you know you need the word. Because the word is going to prepare you to the bride. You don't automatically become the bride because you pray a prayer. That's in here. Why is there 10, 5, and 5? You see, if we don't realize that we need the word for our sanctification, then we're not getting ready. So you don't come ready. You've become casual, it's all casual. I don't know, I'll make some notes, I'll write some things down, then I go again, but I never look at my notes. It's food. It's preparing you for the end. Heaven and earth will pass away, but what doesn't? Why? So you have to have a renewed mindset of what the entire thing is about. This is an identity issue. If you don't know who the church is called to be, then you don't value the word. So it's like, whatever. Man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word. Why every word? Because it's building you into the image of Christ because he's looking for his bride who can demonstrate him now. All this is connected, which means this should be the most important thing in your life. 
To not have this as your number one priority is to miss out on something. This is how serious, this is so, I can't, you know, I'm a madman, I know. This is so, so serious. To have anything above this is to not have God at the centre of your life. Can I say that? This is not a game. You've got one shot at life. A lot of people are blowing it, and he wants his church to look like something on the earth because he's coming back for her. So he says, you need the word. So you better figure out how this works out through humility and surrender because I'm the one that does it. You receive it, and then you're able to live like me. But if there's no vision of who you're to become, then this just becomes some sort of technical exercise that you go through week on, week out, and you're no different. And so it Thank says, teach me, teach me to number my days that there might be found in me a heart of wisdom. But what kind of wisdom? You know, the wisdom that we've been hearing about this evening, the wisdom that comes from this, what, it's Christ, it's Christ himself, it's Christ, him and him crucified is what Paul wanted to know, you know. And so he says, teach me to number my days that I might enter into this new life um, that, that we've been hearing about. So it's, it's massive, eh? Cool. Still got a few more minutes. Anyone else have any questions or key things that they want to clarify from, from this evening? I, th- I think firstly, it's, it's coming with a heart that's humble to receive from the Holy Spirit. And that can take, like, it, and that will take its expression in a whole range of different environments. You know, like this evening, there's, there's teaching that's happening. But there may have also been teaching when we, before we even started this, you know, one another as we're fellowshipping, teaching on a Sunday morning, there's discipleship groups, there's one-on-one with him as you open up um, the scriptures and, and, and you know, he's, he's speaking to you before you start your day. I think there's, um, first it's about him, um, you know, revealing Christ, um, but then when we gather together, you know, there's, there's a whole range of different environments to facilitate that, that to happen. So that's my personal, that's my personal opinion. Knowing that the environment does nothing. It's not the environment that brings life, but it creates the possibility of life. Okay? And so it's just, it's organic, it's holistic. You know, it's, it, it's, it's one-on-one, Warren, with the Lord. It's just sitting there wherever you are going, well, you're in me, so teach me. Teach me from within. And it's knowing... One, it's being brought in to that reality through power. Uh, you can't just bring yourself in there by praying a nice little prayer. It's the gospel enters you, it joins you, and now you've got a substance you never had. It's called the word in you. I'm a different being. You've got the spirit of God living in you who wants to teach you all things. So now it's about posturing yourself to be taught. But it's got nothing to do with the natural. That's what makes it so confusing. So it's like we have to relearn how this all works, because it's nothing like 
going to school. And yet we come like this, we have Sundays, and there's been a massive impartation tonight. The word has come forth. Okay? So there's, it's, all teaching is, is the utterance of heaven. It's sharing the God. So wherever that is, you're teaching all the time. If you're praying for your children or whoever, or you're teaching your students and you're with your friends and you're just uttering him, that's teaching. The fragrance of the knowledge of God, wherever we are, we're releasing. We are teaching. It's sharing Christ. So if you're sharing the word and someone has ears to hear it in their spirit, bingo. So there's an impartation of your spirit to their spirit called the word, because we're carriers of the word. Yes, you can. I think a really good place to start is is with truth that you was you said before, Sam, about how let's not say things that aren't true, and sometimes we we have an idea of you know, growing up in church and what what the truth is. But I think a really good place to start is with truth. And then obviously the divine truth, which you said, Greg, the inspired truth. But if we start even just with truth and then use that as a bridge to you know, not let ourselves say things that aren't true or that if something doesn't make sense, to unpack it to be what is God actually saying and then invite that into to the next step. Do you, yeah. It's the spirit of truth. When like when identifying whether there's false teaching coming at you and really like the spirit of discernment is or the gift of discernment is operating or whether or not it's just picking at something and you're not liking it, does that and that's not me saying that I'm not liking tonight or anything. <laughs> but, but um but just no just little disclaimer. Yeah, just just say like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um is, does that come down? <laughs> does that come down to a posture thing, or like how would how do you identify that? And also like when you identify that maybe in other people, like like how does I guess because there's a balance between the two. So the more you know him, the more you discern if it's him. Okay? So the challenge is, as someone's growing up as a baby, they need adults. So hopefully there are people who are, let's say, more mature than you, who you can go to and say, hey, I heard this. Can you give me your wisdom? Is this the father or not? Because I don't know. You see, an adult can lie to their child, can't they? Because the child just believes all things. Okay? So I could tell my children that one and one equals four, and I can convince them of that. So my children need to know the truth, which is back to what Abby's saying. Okay? But the truth is also a person. So the more you know the person, the more I go, that's not my father. So I'm just looking at Harriet. So Harriet could be going, blah, 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 this is of God. And I go, no, it's not. Well, now that becomes a bit awkward, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does, and this happens all the time. And so... Hopefully there are people in your life that can help you hear Eli Samuel, the word of God. No, son, that's not. Yes, that is, you know. But as you grow, and this is why it's so important that we 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 and the teacher have a relationship, because he wants to give us all things. So then it's a frequency. It's all about see, it's not even seeing, it's hearing. 
because I can be deceived through looking, but I'm hearing. And you've got to be able to hear. So as we spiritually grow and mature, like it says here, the wisdom which is spoken, I go, yeah, nah. And look, here's the thing. People can talk these words and go, that's not the word. But they're quoting from the scriptures, that's not the word. This, I had a case with this with another leader who said, yeah, I, I know that God builds the church. And I was in me going, no, you don't. Because I could hear the truth that was being said. Not the truth, but his version of truth. He's saying the right words, but I can hear the heart. is. He's speaking from here, not here. Okay? And so that's why we have these discipleship relationships. We walk with people that are more mature in Christ than we are, so we can go to them. It also says you know, that you'll know them by their fruits. You know? And somewhere along the line, what someone believes will be expressed in their behavior and their thinking and their attitudes. You can't... Like, you can't really cover up what you believe. Your entire life is an example of what you believe, you know? And so I think, like, um, like in, discer- in discerning whether something is that's coming from someone is, uh, is true, and a question that I think is important is what, what's, what, what life is that producing in them? What's the fruit of their life that backs up what it is that they're saying. Now they could be factually correct or incorrect, and you know, but at the end of the day, it's about becoming like Christ and receiving the word will will perform a work in you that makes you more like Him. You know, so I think that 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 will come out more and more. And we can't be paranoid, okay? So our first position isn't, oh my goodness, is someone going to hoodwink me? Okay, so it's not fear, it's faith. So it's promise, not problem. So just always, it's like the Bereans, you know, they had anticipation. So you believe in your brothers and sisters that they're not trying to deceive you, you know. But at the same time, then go to the Father and say, hey, and go to another and then help one another. Do you know, so if I say something that you know is not because you've got revelation and I thought I had revelation, come and help me. I don't want to stay in that, okay. But so it's vice, <laughs> thanks, Shirley. It's, it's vice versa. Um, can I just read the, 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 see this, the key, see, verse 7, he says, actually verse 6, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 6, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden Wisdom, which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Who's he talking about? The Christ. So in the Christ, because the Christ is wisdom, is hidden everything we need for wisdom. And contained in wisdom is every how to, what, when, all those things. But the rulers of this age had no concept of this wisdom. Hence, they crucified him. What, deliberately? No, they didn't know what they were doing. That's why he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what we're doing. But it's all based on where your wisdom rests. 
their wisdom rested on their own ability, man's wisdom. So when you when you when you you have to follow the scriptures precept upon precept, it's building a pattern. And all of a sudden this other picture starts to emerge from the living reality and you see it and you see the opera and you go, oh my goodness, they didn't mean to crucify him. They thought they were doing the right thing. And that's us. So he's telling you it's hidden. He's telling you it's a mystery. So you've got to go and allow the Holy Spirit to decipher the mystery because you can't. But he can. So it requires vulnerability, transparency, humility, one another, all the things that we hate. <laughs> when you're trying to control your life. He's smart, isn't he? How do you think oneness happens? It's good. I think that we can lead we can lead one another astray, but actually we've been placed here together to safeguard one another, right? You know, like that's the intention for the church that he gives different gifts, different expressions of Christ. Um, you know, like we're talking about the fivefold, it's, it's for the sake of when all of these gifts, when all of the people are coming with, with one heart and one mind, it's the best safeguard against any kind of deception, right? You know? So, did you have one more question? I'll be very quick. I really encourage you all to, to read the book that's been sitting on the shelf out there, Imitate Me, chapter 1, talks about the two different operating systems of how Paul and Saul learnt and how he was taught. And the, the thing was about the fruit of both, one through the eyes of man, through Gamaliel, and one through the eyes of the Spirit. It's a very revealing chapter. So I really encourage you, it's, it's on the shelf there, take it down and, and actually read it through. Very, very powerful. Nice, Chris. Thank you. Shameless plug for Imitate Me. <laughs> no, it's good. Just kidding. <laughs> Freely given. <laughs> cool. Thanks, guys. I just want to say thanks for your level of engagement this evening. You know, it feels like um, we've been able to we've been able to go somewhere because. You, you guys went somewhere with us, you know? So um, I don't want to underestimate what that looks like for us here sharing as well. It's massive. Um, and so, um, um, Noel, do you want to just um, pray for us and we'll, we'll call it a night? Let's put ourselves in the presence of God. Father, we worship you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you praise. Lord, there's none like you. Lover of our hearts, lover of our soul. We worship you. Lord, we thank you for tonight, for the guarding of the saints. We thank you for the precious Holy Spirit that's in our midst, that continually speaks, continually teaches us the words of the Father. Lord, I pray continue to do so, continue to reveal more of the Lord, continue to build the Christ in us. Lord, set our hearts ablaze for your glory. Amen. Thanks, guys. <laughs>